April 4th, 2009. It's a Watt from Pedro show. i 
Watch from Pedro show. Um, April 4th. Saturday. Hi, Brother Matt. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yeah. Usually uh, Sunday. Well, we've been doing different yeah, we're, days. We're yeah. flexible. Right. Keep them guessing. <laughs> the night time. Uh, but first show of April. I think next week be the only one I could do before oh, tour. Hit the road. Yeah. Two weeks from yesterday. Maybe get another one. I don't know. Uh, we started with uh, John Coltrane and Miles Davis doing Sweet Sue, Just You. And then something new from now called Ethnic Snack. And... Which uh, is convenient because we have the bass player from now here, Perfect. Angela. She's uh, on a journey from England to uh, see the U.S. <laughs> How are you? Welcome aboard. All right. <laughs> Those first first trip to the U.S. You said, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you've been having action-packed time. Yes. <laughs> How long you been? Um, just over two weeks. Two weeks. How much left? Two days. Oh, so you have to... <laughs> One and a half, yeah. How many states in that time? Uh, Nevada, Arizona, Utah, California. Oh, Four. West stuff. Hmm. Ah, usually they come because it's a little closer to the heat. Fucking loud, brother. Shut that hat. Everybody's cruising out this <laughs> I first wanted to go to New Mexico, but then somebody said, no, have a look at Arizona, so... Yeah, well, you know what? For Euro people, well, I guess people in England think of uh, Europe a little island <laughs> off the coast of England. <laughs> Europe and England. Uh, people, except for maybe Spain and some Greece and southern Italy, it's much different territory. So to come west and see desert, Cacti, yeah, <laughs> canyons. Yeah, you had some trippy flavors to taste. You said up in uh, Alvera Street, uh, sushi, Mexican, Mexican sushi. sushi, and I said tiger striped oh, ravioli yeah. with well, butternut squash filling. Well, that's the old Pueblo. That's what where LA started, Alvera Street. You know, it's, Spain was here in the 1500s, but really old. I mean, it stayed very small until the water came. Did you see the dam? Yes. Older dam, yeah. When they did that dam, they could bring water to Cali and it turned it into a farm state. It's actually a farm state. Mm. Did you drive to San Francisco? No, unfortunately not. Okay, that 400 miles between here and there is huge farms. So people think of Hollywood, you know. <laughs> but actually, Cali, and that allowed the population to come up because it was small for hundreds of years. Mm. But uh, where you were was the cradle. Yeah. <laughs> so, Atintica, uh, the chow. Although that's a weird hybrid with the fusion. What? A little fusion? <laughs> Frog? <laughs> yeah. Now, that, that little Tokyo is kind of like a big money thing from uh, companies out there. It's not the real community. The community here is old. They used to be the gardener people. In fact, their mm. town was Gardena. We had a group of them here. Yeah, around the turn of the century, uh, these ladies had put Vaseline in their eyes and, and dive and uh, cultivate, you know, no masks, you know, and no air tanks, and, and, and cultivate abalone. Royal Palms and Roman Sepulveda built them little sheds to live down there, and then they were herding sheep on the hill. So it's it's not. I know people come. Well, I, I know. 
at least downtown's a little safer now and a little more together. But people, it's hard about SoCal because, you know, Centrum, you know, we're mm-hmm. all like 150 towns. Mm-hmm. You fly over, it looks like one big thing, but we're all, maybe London's like that, balkanized into neighborhoods, but this really is like that. It felt like islands. You had all this crazy traffic, the freeways, and in between are these I- islands. Yeah, right. There's <laughs> no space between them. It's sometimes hard. Oh, now I'm in Hermosa Beach. Now it's Manhattan Beach. Now it's Tar. And mm. No lines of demarcation are real easy. So for an outsider, it's like... But the people only kind of know their towns. You talk to a lot of people here. They don't know the other places. Yeah, it's kind of strange. The whole punk scene was up in Hollywood, and I met all these people from around. I'd heard of the names of some of the town, but I didn't know of them. I didn't know Pedro. I spray-painted Pedro on my base, and uh, they thought my name was Pedro. Some people saw the name on freeway signs, or uh, Marineland was here. There was like an aquarium thing, so they went there as a kid, or Ports of Call. We got this thing by the water. I knew Redondo Beach from a Patti Smith song. Yeah, <laughs> so I had to right. drive through it to see what it's like. She but. played at the Sweet Walk. It's like a reggae type of tune. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's on the west side. See, Pedro's weird. We're the only water town here in SoCal that faces east because of this peninsula. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't have sunsets. My pictures are sunrises. <laughs> But all those those west side towns, Redondo, Hermosa, Manhattan, Venice, Santa Monica, El Segundo, Torrance, much different than Pedro. But for those, like when I'm just meeting those people in Hollywood, they thought we were all one town, <laughs> you know? And here we're all part of the same One long thing. beach. <laughs> Or Long Beach, yeah. <laughs> That's the other side of the harbor. We share that with mm. the harbor. East side, Long Beach, West side, Pedro, and in the middle, on the north side, is Wilmington, which is interesting. Backwaters. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that was the first harbor town, you know, for this area. This was all swamps. It's an interesting history. But it's kind of recent. I mean, Juan Cabrillo came here, you know, 400 years ago, but it stayed little and tiny. It's got a cool documentary, The Last Village of Terminal Island, which is a story of the there was a community there, a Japanese community. Yeah, it was an awesome story. They, they went to this museum. More came in it. They put everybody in Arizona. Camps, yeah. Stuff, yeah. I went to the museum and they showed the history of the camps, but also about the Japanese in Hawaii. Uh, there they didn't. Yeah, but I mean, just because it was like more than half. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, here, and so that changed a lot of stuff. It was. As you remember, there was. One other thing that I nearly got to see, but it got cancelled, the visit to the Nevada test site. Oh. And I didn't know that before they lived, you know, they had some Native Americans had to move from the test site. All the, that was all their land. And then they got mm. put on reservations mm. out in that stuff. Now, Navajo, when you first go from uh, New Mexico and Arizona, that's the Navajo reservation. Oh, I went on that briefly. Yeah, I-40. Mm. I-40, Interstate 40 is pretty much follows the old Route 66. And that mm-hmm. was the old way how you got west. In fact, it was a collection of roads in the last part of it, Sunset Boulevard. Mm. Yeah. You know, when you, you've seen the sign. Yeah. Chuck Berry song. Yeah, it's a Chuck Berry song. 
got by the towns that were on there, you know, made their living off it. And when uh, the interstate came, yeah, they bypassed those towns. Really they just, they died yeah. on the vine. So, uh, yeah, what gave you the idea to do this? Have you always wanted? How old are you? 31. Oh, so still young. <laughs> so you had a presentation to do in, in Las Vegas, you said. Yes, yeah. Well, that's why. So you uh, coordinated. Yeah, but I thought it would be a waste to just fly over to give a presentation I, and then yeah. fly back. So I thought, you know, I just blew all my money on this trip. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I do with touring. I, I try to see as much. Yeah. Because, you know, I never really had vacation. I was I curious. Went to, uh, Dublin for Bloomsday one on the 100th anniversary. Yes. First time I went to a town without playing it. <laughs> I like to come to somewhere with a purpose, but I'm also curious how how other people live in different places. Yeah, yeah, we got it pretty good here in Pedro because <laughs> of our weather. I don't know if you notice people are people. You think we have more weirdos than over there? <laughs> than in Europe or than in Santa Monica <laughs> or Nevada or Yuma, <laughs> Tucson. <laughs> people in general um, I haven't noticed anything but I haven't seen that much of Pedro I was I was in there I just ate some pancakes no, US somewhere. people versus uh, Europe <laughs> hmm, I don't know if I can uh, come my, you know, I've toured for 30 years and I've noticed there's good people and lame people and weird people and I think everywhere. I bumped into I don't think one yeah. place is better than no. What I think is really different is uh, geography and weather. Yes. <laughs> Humans are, they divide up in their little trips. Uh, but everybody's convinced there are, are lamer parts and greater parts, and so you always get asked that. <laughs> and then the same parts can change when you go back. But I think it stays the same. I think also when you travel, you you bump probably into more extreme people. Yeah, but I go on the street. Yeah, I, I just act like someone who's not in a band. Yeah, I only do that when it's time for gig. So during the daytime, I, yeah, I ramble. No one knows I'm in a band. Only sometimes I get recognized, but mostly I don't. So I'm just. But I mean, in hostels, or when you say other people's places, there are a lot of people there who, you know, searching for something, or then mm. you have hostels, all these anecdotes. Yeah, I've done a few, but not much. Yeah, yeah nomadic bunch. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's a great thing. It's usually young people, and it's a good mm. place in their life to uh, find out firsthand about other places instead of getting all the information from television. Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or... No, even worse, you know, uh, Fox News yeah. or something. Mr. Murdoch, this mm. guy over there. And they get all these kind of weird impressions without uh, checking it out firsthand. That's why I was really into meeting these uh, couch surfing people. And them going out and seeing for themselves. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. That's why I put up my tour diaries. It was my uh, basic impetus to do that was just to make people curious. When we started touring, we thought it was the greatest. I mean, we loved playing other people's towns, but then getting to see things, too. It was a great side bit. You would read about these rock and rollers hating tour and what a drudgery, you know. <laughs> we were like, man, these guys are fucking nuts. 
<laughs> you first started doing the diaries. I actually did one the first time I went to Europe and England. I played the Hunter Club, where the Sex Pistols first played. It was Minute Man in Black. But man, that was retarded. My writing was so together, it was embarrassing. <laughs> so I started um, again in the late 90s. I should have done it the whole time. I don't know what the fuck was wrong with me. But uh, it's basically, you know, like, wow, this idiot can do it. I don't know, I got you. And now, yeah, you don't have to be in a band and stuff. I mean, we were from working people, so we didn't get to really travel. Although in the Navy, when my papa would get the orders, we just have to move, so we <laughs> travel that way. I'm just from Virginia, of course. But this was closer to Vietnam. <laughs> so I ended here. I'm going to get to see Virginia. Oh, yeah? Richmond. Yeah, on this tour. tour. Cool. Yeah. I get a little. I remember when I was young, when I go through there. Crab apples, <laughs> cardinals, <laughs> honeysuckles. But uh, I don't know. I like it here. I like to visit. I like to visit everywhere. But the bungee cord stamps me back to Pedro. Yeah, always good being back home. Yeah. <laughs> Something about it. Yeah, I'm on vacation this week, and I'm just gonna hang around here. It's cool. Bitch, you don't have to go to this place. Up there, man. man. Already got the island life going here on the point. Yeah. Well, let's play some music. Thank you. 
The drummer beats the drum. The dancer dances ancient steps. The two are joined by an invisible thread. The drummer beats the drum. The dancer dances ancient steps. The two are joined by an invisible thread. The drummer beats the drum. The dancer dances ancient steps. The two are joined by an invisible thread. from Pedro show uh, that was something from new Migu record called the drummer and the dancer I was asked to write spiel, some spiel for it you know what do you think but I'm on three of the songs I thought it was weird but I did it anyway I'm on one song did I, did I talk about this before where Shimmy asked me to cover one of their songs and they don't play on it Oh, right, right. It's just me yeah. and Petra. Yeah. Money Mark. <laughs> but it's on their album, and they don't play on it. It's their song. <laughs> yeah, that is. I remember there was a Monitor record. That's where at first I heard Meat Puppets on a record. They put Meat Puppets' song, them play it. They're not on it. It's just all Meat Puppets, a Meat Puppets song, but it's on a Monitor album. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah. Hey, why don't you be on a record? Then I actually saw him first at the press club. 
God, they were a wild band. You ever hear of them? They're from Arizona, Phoenix, from the old days. Yeah, but they got back together. Yeah, they're happening. Yeah, Chris out of jail. And he's got a bullet in his ass. <laughs> yeah, he got in a fight with a security guard at a postal post office, and the guy shot him. <laughs> yeah. But he's very inspired and playing with his brother again, Kurt. They got the, Boster made on the drums. He got. Did you go to that gig at Alex's? No, I wanted to go ahead and make it. Yeah, I wasn't here either. But they played maybe a month ago. Yeah, a month or two and a half ago. And then uh, before that, we heard uh, Bay Bay with Dance and Dream, and started with uh, Noriko Tadano with Staircase to the Moon. Uh, now, uh, I did an interview with the now boss, Justin, <laughs> and over the phone. Yes. And uh, he told me a little something about the band. He started it. I guess his brother played. And he wanted to make a band, maybe in the early 90s. But it's had kind of a revolving uh, cast of characters. But uh, like you're one of the constant people, right? Yes, uh, since 2004. Since okay, but he, he, I think he started in the late nineties. Yes, nineteen ninety-eight. Maybe he started playing in the early nineties, and then he started in the late nineties. I think he was a drummer or something. <laughs> singer? No, maybe he was a singer. I don't know. But he started this band <laughs> because he didn't want to uh, have to deal with uh, compromise or some stuff. He was in a situation where he had to compromise. Didn't want to do that anymore. So he. These are the songs. Hmm. But then it became this kind of collective, right? And d- hmm. Different people come in and out. and uh, We're trying to maintain a band, but it's uh, sometimes it's difficult to... Uh, people leave for different reasons. Like. Yeah, yeah. Usually, I just start another band. <laughs> <laughs> and call it something else. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's cool. Everybody's got different ways. <laughs> I've had to have people substitute. Right? Second man missing. Mm. Sometimes they're not available for a tour and stuff. But usually when band members change, uh, it just has a different spirit. And the different people in your band must uh, give a different sound, different trip, right? Yeah, but I think we like to stay mutable. There's a lot of songs we played that we played like 10 years ago. Yeah. But um, we like it when they, when they change. They change because yeah. they're different people. Yes. You don't ask the people to adopt the role of the th- person they replaced or something no, like that. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, because that happens. The band has a, a sound, so you have to accommodate the sound. But then uh, other situations, well, the band has new people, so the sound changes. So This is what I got from talking with him. Yes. Uh, kind of the idea. Uh, how did you uh, find out about it? How did you join? <laughs> I met, oh God, that's quite complicated. Um, a friend, a friend of my ex-girlfriend uh, was the housemate of the drummer and she told, so it was quite a bit of a long, complicated thing. And they you were looking for someone uh, who could operate analog synths. And I, I did learn on the old synth, you know, the 
Atlas yeah, and yeah. T with its metal plugs. Yeah. And then, but it sort of gravitated more and more towards the bass. So, because everybody in a band. came in as a synth player because mm. a friend knew a They, they had George lots of old synths. Yeah. Of a band through <laughs> other degrees of. Yes. <laughs> and so you come in as a synth player, but then uh, you move to the bass. Well, everybody in the band plays several instruments, and uh, whatever, uh, often whatever part you write in the song, then you play that part no matter what instrument. So this one song I played a kazoo in one song. I played, but um, most of the t- bass playing stuff I, I usually do. All right, yeah. all right. But it just, was there a bass player already? There was uh, when I joined, but he left, and I just... Uh, so you filled the void. Yeah, first, we wanted to have two basses. Ah, and then <laughs> he left and I stayed. So. <laughs> How long have I done that? Long, well, yeah. 87? So what is that? 22. 22 years. Yeah, I've had a band with just two basses for 22 years. I like bass. 23 I mean. years. It was 86. We just did a black, black Moth Super Rainbow song with Flea, so it was Trace. Cool. <laughs> and, uh, basically, me and Flea just laid down the rhythm. I played that lick over and over, and he played like kind of drum sounds. And then Kay overdubbed like six, seven basses. Flea called it uh, Kirastra. <laughs> so when's that going to be all together? Well, we're recording on Wednesday, so he's the guy is Tom. The, he's making a tribute record to himself. I know that sounds weird. He's asking people to cover his songs. And I said, well, we'll do that one. And, uh, yeah, a lot of bases. We had a jam Monday. Flea was that, that. And Devin Hoff, Nels Klein, so. Yeah, we should play something from Nels. <laughs> but uh, Nels was there, and there was three bases. And Watson, it was something for Watson singing Chinatown at the Mountain Bar. Money Mark played analog synth. I was recording with him yesterday. Um, those pumpkin heads with Raymond. Cool. Doing singing. So you got a couple more sessions of that? Yeah, now we got 13 tunes. Maybe one more before I leave. And then, you know, basically finish. This weird thing coming with the bass. The bass, yeah, I'm kind of biased towards it. <laughs> but writing songs on bass is interesting because it... Leaves a lot open for the other people in the band. Instead of them following a piano or a guitar part, which is usually the case. Bass is kind of like background. Well, I guess a real strong bass line would mm. be kind of a ledge. Like, follow me. But, uh, <laughs> it's kind of loose for people. They can find space, a lot of space, because you're uh, down there. And fundamental, and you're kind of like a drum. I guess kick drum's the closest thing to us. So what about before now? How'd you get into music? Um, <laughs> when I was little, I was in kindergarten, and my parents said that I refused to sing the other children's songs, and I would make up my own. So, <laughs> so they recorded me singing these, you know, making my lyrics and songs. So you started as a singer. <laughs> then I, my dad, I think he won a little children's keyboard, and I started playing on that. And then I started playing 
first I started playing um, recorder than violin and then I was too impatient as a child and then moved to organ and my organ teacher got fired and I didn't get on with a new one and then piano and then the piano teacher noticed This I, is all grade school? <laughs> no, it was... When you're young or teenager? No, we didn't have music education at school but there was a government scheme you put, could put your kid on and then you and got sent to music teachers, school. Yeah. Yeah, so no, otherwise I'm talking I'm, about the age. Yeah. Some people come later. Joe Baez has taught himself guitar at 27. I used <laughs> Some to people make... come later. Some people really young. We had a cat. What's his name? Steve Droz. He was playing drums in his pop's band when he was six. <laughs> yeah, when I was at school, I used <laughs> to have sweet... gigs at six. I can't remember. Like gigs. That's doing. crazy. <laughs> No, I just, when I was at school, I, there's always three days at least in a week I would just be at music school because it was, oh, wow. was like a... But a, it wasn't part of school. No, no, yeah, no. And at school I also then played in a, in a Latin jazz band and then I played my own rock band and band. stuff. That was in Germany? Hmm? That was in Germany? That was in Germany before I moved over here. Ah. I was really obsessed with music. You're from Germany, But <laughs> Yeah, I grew up in Germany and... What town? Uh, I'm sort of from near Hamburg, Lüneburg, yeah. yeah. I like playing a lot. I played Germany when I first went over and played overseas. Should feel a bit familiar. It's also poor. In the old days, <laughs> before Susamen, you know, mm. that's where all the money was. So you'd have to play most of your gigs in Germany. Really? Yeah, they had big money. No. Well, I know. They brought in the East and things changed, of course. <laughs> uh, but So I played a lot of German gigs early on. Sometimes half your tour would be German gigs. Wow. Mm-hmm early 80s so I've, I've always liked playing there last time t I played with uh, Tom and Ravel was German <laughs> gigs a lot of German gigs maybe uh, November December 2006 I haven't done a Mike Watt tour in, well US one in five and a half years because Stooges well five years it was in the spring of 2004 but also oh, okay so you're learning music in Germany Yes. Okay, okay. Well, I learned about a different kind of music so, in Britain. Uh, that's because you got a trippy accent. It does sound England, but it's a little different. <laughs> it that's mutates like the now music, you know, it always changes. This <laughs> is more embarrassing to call someone from Australia. It's, it's hard for me to get that sometimes. But, I, you know, I respect it. Yeah, when I was in Vegas, I had lots of offers uh, for p from people to marry them because of my British accent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, it's not British, but German, thank you. <laughs> well, it does have England in it, but it's a, it's a mix. Yeah. That's all right. Nature uh, detests inbreeding. So that's only for ethnic cleansing, thinking, fuck pits. So how long have you been living in England? Um, 11 years. Oh, so you're a lot of, 20 or something you came over. Yes. So during your teen years, back to your music, <laughs> did you make bands? Yes, I had a, I've played in a girl band. Yes, I a mean, what? a girl, only girls, apart from we had one gentleman for the quota, normally if you're women's quota, you know, in politics and stuff, and then we had oh, a man a girl quota. Band. Oh. Yes, a rock, we played kind of rock, pop rock, rock music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, in high school? Yes, yes. Okay. When I was 16 to when I was 20. And that's your first... But you were writing songs since you were little. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't write songs till... 
<laughs> punk. We could would copy records. That's was seventies kind of thinking. I wrote one song as a teenager. It was called Mr. Bass King of Outer Space. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was <laughs> dealing I've talked about it on the show before. It was uh, dealing with the Obviously, uh, an inferiority complex. Uh, there used to be big hierarchy in the rock music, and the bass and the drums was way down. Yeah, so the song was about doing some big bass solo and <laughs> the stage. That's cooler than like my song when I was, I think, four. So my dad recorded it. It was about calling different animals on the telephone. <laughs> wow. it's abstract. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's fresh. Wow. <laughs> Should maybe re-record it. Not making such unfortunate personality so obvious like my song. But then I was twenty, twenty-one. I started writing songs because these cats in Hollywood they, they didn't even know how to play and they were writing. So I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> and we were like, "Wow, we could do this too." So it is a big deal for us. So my mom, but the younger people. It seems after punk, it's normal now to start writing songs right away. You know, different than my days, or more young days. God, nobody did. Really? No one. No one I knew. I grew up with playing. We didn't. We tried to copy Creedence, T-Rex, the Who. You know, whatever was easy enough to figure out. It was also a difficult time because Prague music and that, it was like, wow, too many notes here. <laughs> Some of it. And uh, keyboards, like you're talking these synths, mm -hmm. those things were so expensive, we didn't know anybody who played them. I didn't own one, I just owned, I just played the local one at the yeah. college. Well, no, the, but the music stuff now is so much cheaper. Yeah. So much. Oh, wow, you would not believe it. But now we think the U.S. is cheaper. Some certain things we, I was trying to buy here, although I was always out of luck in the shops, but we buy them here because oh. England is so expensive. More Britain. expensive, but it used yeah. to be even more. Yeah. yeah. I got like a Fender or a Gibson. Mm. Oh, my God. Overseas, in Germany, too. I would see them in the music stores. Big bucks. But here, too, mm. in the 70s. Mm. Uh, so we played pawn shop guitars, you know, $10, $15 things from uh, Japan. <laughs> Terrible action, very difficult to play. In. But it helped you make it strong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know a bass. I had bigger strings. Didn't know what a bass was first few years. Because arena rock, you were so far away, you know. Things are a lot different. So uh, I play really cheap copies of basses. <laughs> you got some classic stuff out of those relics, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you got to start somewhere. Mm. I think music's just a little more accessible. Somebody, I hear people with nostalgia, you know, all oh, the good old days, and you know, everything is so lame now. It was really better in the old days, and you know, sixties, seventies, and actually, sixties might have been interesting. There was club scenes and stuff, but talking to people from those days, things that a lot of things were very difficult. People were uptight. I mean, hair was an issue. Mm. <laughs> you know. Can you imagine that? You know, how long your hair was was a fucking big deal. Kind of was that way at first with punk, too. Then it was for being too short. <laughs> Humans are <clears throat> magical, wonderful organisms. They get 
bizarre kinds of things. But uh, the technology made got way more economical. You can record things now that you could not do in the older days. You can reach people with the internet and connections. Yes. Some ways it's so much so much better. And uh, younger and younger people are just more and more aware. I mean, we were stupid fucks. We didn't we didn't know what fuzz tones were. We didn't know how most of those sounds on the records were made. <laughs> no idea. You know, it was a huge mystery, all of it. So, I guess that... Well, adds to the fun. <laughs> Maybe you have to find out for yourself. And, I don't know. We all get to where to the now. Ah, the name of the band. No, 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 you know, different paths. But uh, the name of the new album. Udipum. <laughs> yeah, you should spell it for people. Okay, I spell it. It's O O O D I P O O O M N. Yeah, very good. How did that so, come about? <laughs> I think <laughs> I think because our name, we can't really Google it. You get every site in English. We try to come up with really messed up album titles. Because oh, the word now is yes. <laughs> so when Justin Lucy tries out different letter combinations, and we all in a band like words with lots of O's. Like this one tea that they sell in uh, Little Tokyo, is it Oolong or something? <laughs> you know, these kind of words we like, so you just try to cram Oolong as many O's in it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, now has an O. Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, I think I'm jumping around here, but you you had a band as a teenager. Do you do you have? Did you make recordings? Yeah, but only we never. We were never on any you don't have any. I have. A, <laughs> oh God, it could have been really embarrassing. But we didn't know you were supposed to tune with each other. <laughs> must have sounded god awful. I should have brought my first song. <laughs> What the one with the animal? It? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I've got it on tape in London. <laughs> I can digitize it. So. <laughs> Did you make a band after that before going? To, why did you go to England? And I've always felt drawn to England. You want to live there right yes, away? Yes, okay. yeah. And I just waited for the right thing to come up with. And after school, I just did like a one-year job training because I really wanted to be a musician. Yeah. And, and then I thought, oh, maybe with the band I can just you know keep on making music and I work on the side. But it, I don't know. And it didn't really work out. And then I and went over to study design and. Um, yeah, so because you know when you're a musician and you had at school you had to ch decide between music and art, and because I didn't have an art background, I couldn't get into design school in Germany. So I went into to Britain, and because I did stuff in my free time, they would accept it. And then I came over and stayed, and I felt instantly at home. But I already felt home at home when I was on the school exchange when I was 14 and uh, this little kind of northern town called Scunthorpe, and everybody didn't like it, but I loved it. It just I felt. Like I'd come arrived, you know. It's like, oh, yeah, cool. Well, maybe you could appreciate what they could see. <laughs> Sometimes it works that way. Uh, that's interesting. So I just played with my friend. Yeah, you that's know, the way to do it. <laughs> then, you know, you know, there, everything's got place. I know plenty of people learn music in school, and I like their music. So everybody comes from a different places. I just was not. After that experience, I didn't even try it again. <laughs> I didn't even try a class. We're at the end of the first hour, April 4th, 2009. Dishon from the Pedro Show. Hold tight for hour two. April 4th, 2009. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. 
would spill his seed upon the ground. And this was wicked in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord put Onan to death. With hollow ideas And a tear in the eye 
Live from Pedro Show. Started the second hour off with uh, something new from Nels Klein and his, uh, I guess it's a solo album. It's not Nels Klein's singer, although he just recorded one of those. Uh, I got to play with him Monday and his bass player, Devin Hoff. We were talking about the mountain bar. And anyway, this is from his Nels Klein record. He did this just before... Or was it just after I did the Black Gang album? And uh, it's called Coward, and there's a piece on there. It's called the Onan Suite. And uh, it's got like six or seven parts, and I think that was part five. Uh, you know about Onan? Oh, yeah, Sid's here. Hey, Sid draws welcome. Uh, welcome aboard. So Bob Stiers. Angelo, now you have a company. Angela, there's no need to be alone. But she got all the attention. Now she has to share. Uh, I won't take that much space. Okay, you know about owning, though. So uh, that's uh, Seedcaster. If you know about owning, then you know that. And then we had Hawkins Revenge doing a song called Owning, and they Mm -hmm. explained the Bible character. So you're on a biblical tear today, Mike. I know. And then Hey my, a Market Orphan with Flag Song. They're from Vermont. You know about Vermont, right, Sid? I know some stuff. I live there. I vote there. And then we heard Bardhoff with Refusing. Now, Bardhoff is the father of Devenhoff, Nails Klein's string bass player. And it was interesting. Uh, I got a phone call once. I think it was a Saturday. And it's... Bardhoff, it's it's Devin's mom pop. Want to meet me? Want to come to Pedro and to have chow with me? Wow! <laughs> so who went, doesn't? So went there. I mean, their son is great. <clears throat> Devin is a beautiful guy. He was uh, doing a lot of arco, so he was sawing on this bass. But he had Carla's little amp, Carla Carla She was tiny amp, so he's pretty much of a mime thing. Hey, Henry. And uh, it was quite, it was a wild gig, though. Uh, I was glad, and it was good to meet them. Uh, Did I was kind of like nervous. You? Whenever I meet people, I know uh, parents, it's kind of scary. Did they like you, Mike? Well, we'd have to ask them. They seem well, what was your impression? Nice. I liked them very much. I bet they like. I should have asked them. Do you like me? Do you like me so far? How's it going so far? Would you say? <laughs> Do you like me? Am I like so turning you off? Is this? Am I appropriate? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, is this proper? Uh, I think that's the funniest thing I've ever heard you say. Is Mike Watt asking? Am I appropriate? That's so beautiful. That's almost like a poem. That's almost like somebody handing you a frosty to cut. Hey, I'll tell you about a poem. Here's the thing about Cheers. a poem. I got a, a a message from the people putting out this literary magazine from you know the early '70s that does beat stuff, and they put one of my poems in their thing. Yeah, I didn't even solicit them. I don't really solicit. You're not solicitous. I'm not solicitous. solicitous. I'm salacious. <laughs> You're salacious. Salacious. But not it. solicitous. 
looking for solace. <laughs> Salacious. Salacious. Salacious, that's it. Ah, uh, okay, Bob. Bartender Bob. <laughs> Barbatol Bob. Bob. I met Barbatol Bob. <laughs> But who is Barbatol Bob, pray tell? He's a cat who, uh, 75-year-old artist man and uh, new, uh, uh, sorry for the pause, but um, <laughs> Neil Cassidy, Allen Ginsberg. Is he from Charlie San Francisco Pinell. or something? Well, he lived there a lot of years. He's actually originally from Wichita. He came to one of my gigs last month. and Interesting cat. Very, very nice man and uh, friend of Charlie Plymel's. Part of these beat. Don't spill your beer on your drawing, Bob. I thought it was Barbazon. Part of these beat scene. Beat, not beatniks. Beatniks are smelly, dirty people. Beats. No, it's Wait, we got to get him on mic. Like don't Getty. worry, he's on there. He's on there. Don't, don't be. I'm sorry. <laughs> I touched it, Mike. No, I'm sorry. No. I touched it. Beatnik is a poem. <laughs> it wasn't accidental. No, I touched it. No, it's something that I think you I buy the clothes the at the store or something. I'm so fucked. Dobie Gillis. Mayor G. Crest. <laughs> yeah, right. right. It was, uh, the guy who became Gillian. Yeah, yeah, Bob Denver. Yeah, Bob Denver. Robert Denver. Thank you. So this is the kind of guy that's not a punk. He formal. just shops at, uh, you know, it's hot time. <laughs> but but a beat was like beat, like yeah. beat down. Yeah, not, not snapping fingers. He earned it. Right. Well, they they were into music. They dug boppers. And they ate boppers. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they chewed yeah, Benny's boppers. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Both Barbara told Bob and Charlie told me about Neil chewing inhalers, benzodrine inhalers. Oh, uh, like Elroy? Yeah, he did it too. And Big the, the time. Syrup, chewing the top. inhalers? Is that the new twist? No, this is 40, 50 years ago. They don't it's make old me. school. <laughs> but the notion of going to hand pop. Oh, look. You know. Angela's in a band called Now, and she's been uh, speaking about her journey in music. So I'd like to return to that. But it's interesting you people dropped, dropped over. So. Noun. Your band is Noun? No, N-O-W. Oh, Now, not Noun. The future is Noun. Last week. That's an interesting Yeah, I played a lot of... I played your song a lot. was on last week. What did we play? Highway Code. Yeah. I told you, gave me two from the new album. We played Ethnic uh, Snack today. And uh, so you came over, you joined the band in 2004, you moved from the analog synth to the bass. Do you mainly play the bass now? Okay. Now you're saying that people have to play the instrument they wrote, no, a, a part of the song. It's usually what you have yeah. to um. When he's putting together the song, he shows you guys the song and you all start thinking about what should... Go it's to one, this? Yeah, also there's like a few songs where I could t- theoretically play three different instruments, but I can't play them at the same time, right. so yeah. I have to decide on one and dis- distribute whatever fits best. The, the magic of overdubbing, multi-tracking. <laughs> but for the gig, yeah, you have to division the labor. Do you play bass live, mostly in your shows? Yeah, about at least, usually around 50%. Half? 
Yeah, and the other then divided between synth and glockenspiel and percussion and singing. You oh. brought a glockenspielist oh. on the show, Mike. This is great. Was this part of the canon? <laughs> I take it Can't, seriously, yeah. the glockenspiel. Yeah. Related to Now, now it's got some sounds like, like were, were you in the band when they uh, played with Demo Azuzuki? It's the first time I met them, but I joined the gig after. Okay. That must have been wild. I've seen him a couple times. And uh, uh, he just goes for it with his voice, and the band follows. He just did it with a friend of mine over there in Brighton uh, named Sam. He's playing with a friend of his, and this guy don't tour with a band. He just meets people in the town, mm-hmm. and then he, he just uses his voice. So they j- jam to his voice. He has no fear. Yeah, that sounds wild. I think he lives in Cologne. Cologne. Yes, yeah. I think so. Originally from So Japan. he does it to take a chance as opposed to Chuck Berry showing up to be cheap with his guitar. <laughs> well, I think it's pretty kind of to tour without a band, too. <laughs> but Chuck Berry, you know, the guy doesn't stuck. Stick to no, twenty-five grand. Here. Yeah. I remember the disrespect, Mr. No. Chuck Berry. Wow, I adore Chuck. Berry. You got kicked out yes. of Chuck Berry? No, no, Dan Suzuki. <laughs> out of the gig? No, 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 not the gig. The venue. The, they had really nasty security people. Yeah, the gig. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, the women's restrooms were flooded, so I went to the men's. They didn't object, but the security people kicked me out for going to the men's restroom. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it wasn't. Why did you swim I'm in glad the they toilet? Tell anyway. <laughs> so you never got to see him play then. I got some part of it. Yeah. Part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, didn't they? Re- didn't now release it as a record? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a heartbreaking story mm. of club abuse. <laughs> There's all kinds of that shit like that. I thought it was quite hilarious. That's just animal necessity. People with but, authority, authority complex. Yeah. Wait, there was a lady that was arrested for breastfeeding in the New York Public Library. They arrested her for breastfeeding. She went off into a quiet little room. She was feeding her child, and they arrested her. What? You know what I'm saying? I'm, we're all wrong. We're just so so <laughs> terribly, terribly wrong. I <laughs> know it's, no, it's no, my get, turn to, to be an asshole. Oh yeah. Music. <laughs> uh, how many records have you done with now? Oh god, um, I think uh, apart from the demo one, all of them so four. Four. Yeah. Four. And now this guy, what's Udi Puri? Udi Poom. Udi Oh, honey, say that again. <laughs> so, uh, oh, when was this done? Is this recent? Udi Poom me This is coming up next. No, August. when was it done? Oh, when was it done? In the last few months, but some of the songs are really old, so we mix old and new songs together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a backlog of, we could produce like just dozens of albums. So, some of these were recorded a while ago. Yes, okay. like 10 years or something. 10 years ago. Damn. Dozens, so it's That's a lot pretty of stuff that are written but not so, uh, released, yeah. yeah. <coughs> uh, you picked the name because it's got a lot of O's, but is there a theme around it? Uh, something that you could just. Watch putting stuff. That was loud, sorry. <laughs> Well, I guess well, somebody who sang with us once said uh, that uh, our albums are more like a smorgasbord of stuff, but um, the, we had one review of the new album from the promos, and he said that uh, compared to our other albums, it's 
um, he was accusing us of being more commercial with it, but I don't. This is your merch <laughs> record. <laughs> so um, it's the I last one was more poppy, and this one is more I don't know. Oh, so that's kind of a theme. No, there was no conscious. And that's what I'm talking about more. Like was there a conscious idea? Epic, but maybe. like. Um, <laughs> I mean, my really overt this next record I'm going to make is an opera, but the last one I made was about autumn, you know, something like this, like yeah. concept or something. We call it our hit album, otherwise it's just... Are there new people in this uh, record that wasn't on the last record? No, in this, in the last record was a hit for the boo, it's got about, um, yeah, Justin, Richard and I are the same people on... Only three people. Yeah, but um, so all the new people. We've got friends who support us, so there's a few that were on all the albums. Uh Because uh-huh. yeah. what I'm saying is, the new people who've joined probably give it a new theme. Yes, but the only the new people who are in the current lineup, they are uh, only on one song called "The Yellow Tent." They're only on one song. Wow. Yeah, because that was a live jam, and we just put it on the album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So who was in the core of the band that uh, remains, or? Justin, obviously. He's, yeah, he's uh, a boss. He's <laughs> I did an interview with him on the phone maybe a year ago. Mm-hmm. If you go to an old Watt from Pedro show, you can hear it. So is it like the fall where you have Mark, Marky Smith and somehow, though, it all sounds like the fall no matter who he has on No, no their like band the changes with different people. Yeah, different course, sounds. Hmm. Uh, well, the, the people bring different sounds. He has a songwriting style that's kind of consistent. Hmm. Yeah, I think. But he plays with uh, different uh, personas that uh, he doesn't play with. He uh, incorporates it into the sound of the band. And so they bring their thing. Because he's given me now all from the beginning, mm-hmm. even his first demos. And there's a consistency to it, but then it also evolves to the members. Mm. Yeah. So this new team, the one you're doing gigs with now, yes. they're not really represented on this record, only but through one jam. Yeah. No, but we we're playing the, the songs from. The yeah, a lot. But I mean, if somebody was to listen to Udi Poom. Udi Poom. Udi Poom. Yes. Udi But it ends with the N. Yeah, just we stuck one because it looked better. That's hard English to do a O O O M N. Oom. 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 And then upside down, it's it's wood. Let's see. Yeah. Wood poop. <laughs> what really? Don't read too much into it. He's trying to distract us from <laughs> learning about it. I like that. Because we had one record which had like a bit of a be the next album. Do you study shit? music? No, no. Study by playing? Study on the job? Well, I, I, I'm part self taught and part from music yeah, school. So we, we're already talking to our I play, yeah, I play the instrument I play now, I didn't learn. So apart from synthesizer. Both. <laughs> but what drew you to the Glockenspiel? Um, <laughs> it was in the room. Anything that I can get my hands on, I would play. Ah. Well, everybody in the band is a bit like that, so, you know. Yeah. So whatever I can, can find or get, because it's quite difficult to sometimes get music instruments because they're expensive. And to use anything, and I sometimes build some, I build half a drum kit. and. Wow. And Schlag we like it. <laughs> the guys just got hard, I swear. Like, she built a kit. No, that's not very primitive. It works, though. Yeah, I can just do bass. I can do a little guitar, but not much. 
So live performances? That's, that's yeah. how Sam is, too. You know, that band, they all play different things. And they run around on stage and change. And, and <laughs> I feel very... Uh, As a goof, it's okay. Kind of. No, they do good at it. Just some people, some people are, you know, just there's different ways of music. Yeah, some people are more crotchety and frozen in <laughs> one gig, <laughs> like me. I don't, know, don't have enough uh, confidence to try other. I'm just curious how certain things sound and the kind of sure sounds they make. I do, I'm I'm curious about other sounds, but I'd like to hear them operate. <laughs> I don't know how good I am on this. You just called yourself crotchety and frozen, Watt. He's got good self-knowledge. Crotchety and frozen. (laughs) What I'm saying is I'm not adventurous enough to try other instruments. I'll be there when you do branch out. Pretty adventurous checking out your instrument, though. You you are not shy about checking that thing out. You take that instrument in all kinds of different directions. Yeah, yeah, I do. I try to. And then, in fact, part of my thing isn't so crotchety. It's on purpose. I stay on the bass because there's so much to learn about it. I'm afraid if I go and try other instruments, I'm going to dilute the mission. <laughs> I won't even move to five string because there's so much to learn on the four string. Do you use pedals? I tried it on the second opera. It's too difficult. Bass, I don't lend itself that well to those things. But your sound is evolving. You know, It's interesting to hear these old things like yeah, you know, that's that's righteous. the first fire hose show mm. and the Minutemen and to see how the continual growth and um, having all these different projects really yeah put the bass in different places that's how I do it I put the bass in different places instead of different instruments but uh, uh, it's good that everybody goes on different journeys with music music is big enough to tolerate all kinds of ways to exist in it I don't think there's one way I don't think everybody should do the what you know stick to the bass (laughs) <laughs> kind of thing. So, I, and I, in fact, I have a lot of admiration for people who have nerve to try other instruments and to, to try them in the same gig, even. Different Angela, things. did you bring a glockenspiel today? I think we need to get Watt on Glock. <laughs> Where's that rain stick? That'd be a first. <laughs> that would be. Um, well, we're going to get to hear Brother Matt. Right? Brother Matt now is going to. Uh, cool. Let's see what play comes out of this. Spin cycle. Cool.
Thank you very much, Brother Matt, for another installment. Cool. Uh, Thank the you. Spin cycle. Thank what you. What was uh, your motivation? Well, my today? motivation today was I, I had no clue, and so I <laughs> clueless, just didn't clueless want motivation. to fuck up. <laughs> you wanted to be appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> appropriate spin Wing. cycle. So it was uh, maintenance. Yeah. A maintenance shift. Wing. Well, very good job. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we're at the end of the second hour, April 4th, 2009. Watt for Pedro Show, Tariff Hour 3. April 4th, 2009. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. And you were saying, Angela? I was saying. Oh, no, no. I was just about some music, and it's quite a lot of music that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you might have got some calm mixtapes, no. <laughs> what do you have there? <laughs> You were going to reach in for some Latin music or something? Yeah, I've got lots of Latin music, and, uh, but this is all over the place. Anything from kind of goth to... <laughs> That's highly <laughs> appropriate. Rock and roll <laughs> and uh, Grace Jones, lots of... Uh, what, do you, what do you call them, Carmix? I normally have mixed tapes, but I've got more posh cars, so I took some CDs just... Um, so they're mixed CDs. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't feel oh, right. Oh, you made them for your trip? Yes. Oh, yeah. Those are the best. <laughs> yeah, they're good. kind of like uh, personality. Uh, Autobiography. Uh, what do you say? Displayers? Personality <laughs> displayers. <laughs> right? In the old days when you traded them cassettes mix, they could tell what kind of person. Right? Wow, they're wave. It's like a dating thing. Huh? It's like a dating device, you know. You a mixtape? Yeah, you can exchange it when it doesn't. If you're compatible. I like it. I got a... Hold on, Bob. I'm just curious, because there is this culture of, of mixtapes that people give to each other as a form of dating? Or, or what is that? It's like... No, no, no. To see if you're compatible. Because <laughs> most people, most no, murders between uh, uh, spouses is over music. Is it? It's not over money. <laughs> so what happened in your case? There's no murder. <laughs> no, because I, I have to now be careful about making music for people because I'm pretty random about that. And then people seem to think that's something like very personal. <laughs> if you put this song on a tape, it means I will have sex with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Like, you oh, have to watch what you put look, on those. Four hours tapes. of rush is going to drive anybody up. There. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my old friend clean it. The long version of full in the city. It's my job to educate. I'm sorry. <laughs> I used to forget about. What well, you were just saying that you don't want to yes, make it. Yes, and then for no? people anymore. I don't understand. Well, it's not, it's not like anymore. Cause I thought like, to educate. It, it's, I thought you, that You have was. fear? Not appropriate? That, but, well, that's what I thought I was doing. I was like, oh, I'm sharing all these things I found, you know. But you're like, actually being but, belligerent and but, putting them through hell. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because they need to be showed some new things, and they would come back to me. And so like, says ye. Huh? <laughs> Because they don't think this. They don't if show they come back, opinion. I'm like, which part of the song should I be listening especially yeah. to? You know, like, like is there a message in this? I don't get it. I don't get it. 
Sorry? I once awfully confused someone and I, I don't really listen, uh, not until recently, I just didn't pay attention to lyrics because, you know, uh. they were just like some byproduct. And then I gave someone a tape and it was all love songs and I wasn't aware, I wasn't, you know, I just wanted to show someone, oh, these are great songs. And then that person was be like, Ugh. you know, I was like, no, how did you like the music? Uh. <laughs> oh. And I just didn't realize they like were love songs. Up. It was really yeah. embarrassing. I just made, later realized. And, then I don't think and now you're married to them. <laughs> Were they thematic? Oh, I used to make these things that were like sort of the current story of my life and <laughs> made pretty much live by grabbing the records and I'd purge it out of me. And But the music was pretty good and I'd give it to a friend and move on with it. And then 15 years later, they'd play it and kick me back. Well, that's pretty personal. I don't think anyone else might connect all the dogs because it wasn't made for anyone else my life as told by the Bee Gees (laughs) (laughs) I think the Bee Gees said it best for me when they said ooh you're a holiday (laughs) (laughs) but I mean I personally don't really really listen to the lyrics not that much because I just hear hear the songs well you're better than me (laughs) yeah in many ways that's one of them (laughs) <laughs> hey, this is getting good. I'm going to go put on my referee talks. That's like the girl who sings in this band here. She doesn't sing with words because she sing, thinks that the words in the song detract from the music. So she just really? is singing. Yeah, it's really yeah, beautiful. But she thinks, like, oh, baby, baby. That's what Damo oh, does in that baby. direction. That's what Damo Suzuki does. There's not a lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> He's just making sounds. I'm pretty partial to words and to sounds, and people can do what they want with them, really. I think if the the, the lyrics are really bad, it can sometimes put you off a good song. Like Rush? (laughs) (laughs) You're the one that keeps pushing Rush onto his watch. There's this Rush peer pressure going on in this studio today. I feel a deep need to listen to Rush now. I win! This is the the love grotto at the pleasure point. This is not. <laughs> I think there's also theme music, like you have sort of for certain situations, like you have driving music. There's sort of distinct, you know, type of music that goes with driving and that, you know. So like Grace Jones' Demolition Man. That's that different than hearing the police thing. Or demolition One shit. Tin soldier. I think I, I love like that song. Grace Jones makes it her own. What about uh, Don't be putting down Billy Jack, Watt. Don't be putting down Billy Jack. Like uh, Highway Star or. uh, It's a great one. uh, I love Highway Star. Radar Love. (laughs) Someone said that would be the Love will tear us apart. No, no, it's really like American. Just to Boston or something? Probably. Let's have one conversation for (laughs) Radar Love, you brought up that one. Gets you in a rhythm. I like it to tr- makes me want to drive the car fast. But someone said that was a perfect song before Walkmans were made. My friend had this really expensive thing, and they mentioned that was a perfect thing to ski by. You know, <laughs> radar love. The idea of getting into a physical rhythm. Like that bass line. No, it's bum, 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 oh, I know. I hear it's a great bass line. The BG's um, uh, Staying Alive <laughs> is a perfect rhythm for CPR. No, is that right? Yeah, because in, because they have to know to count to count. Yeah. So they taught that in CPR school. If you can't like think of counting properly, like just think of, think of that song. <laughs> like 
Are you a nurse? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> I just heard this on the radio. I just was picturing you in a cute little nurse's outfit, and it was fun for me. I can picture that. I can picture that. It's not appropriate. <laughs> it was fun. You should consider nursing. That's what Halloween's for. Oh. I did it for a while. Did you? Oh, no. no Angela was a nurse. I'm not that uh, caring. So, yeah, but you did get the outfit, thankfully. I used to wear, I worked in a pot and pan. Nice boy in the kitchen of a hospital for five years. I wore white. Whoa. I bet it accentuated your tan nicely. Well, there was a bunch of chow <laughs> before I had uh, down the shitter, right? So it was a lot of free chow. But you Didn't you have like three jobs or something at that time? No, paper hat. Didn't you have like three or four jobs at that time and yeah, never I slept? It was late 70s. Can I supersize your order? God, having Watt ask you to supersize, now there's something to think about. No, I was in, in the kitchen. And oh. The menus would come down, a dietician would give us some menus and we'd fill out the trays. But they should have put you on the mic. I didn't do much of that. I was the guy who would scrub the pots and pans and the dishes when they came back. Well, didn't you work at Jack in the Box or Deep I did that too. That was a paper. That would have been fun to watch. I would love to have. Let's see. I made a dollar twenty an hour as pot and pan boy. Dollar sixty-five an hour. You and Alex Chilton. Jack in the Box. Alex Chilton was a famous dishwasher. Oh, they didn't do much dishes. They were pots and pans. Okay, I'm big, glad you can delineate you know, between the two. <laughs> There's big, a, big it's more macho to do pots and pans. The dishes we wrote on a machine. And you put them into the trays and stuff, and the pot and pan you had to manhandle and put them in this machine. What happened the day you decided more, to get out of there? Muscle to get uh, the cooked-on macaroni and cheese. The carving was the most Carving. My pop worked in the <laughs> kitchen as a chef and stuff in the navy out on the Pacific. You know? Scullery. <laughs> Everyone would be hurling, and he's making breakfast. Oh shit. Yeah, so let's play some music. A ship came in, a ship came in, but it was empty. A ship came in, and then it sailed, it sailed back out to sea again. Now there's a sail, now there's a sail on the horizon. There's a sail, and now I wait until your ship comes in. And I'll be waiting in the port of lonely hearts, watching for your topsail on the sea. ship of love will come to the port of lonely hearts where I will be I'll brave the storm Till you're with me, the stars. Cause wind and rain, the rain can't change your love that's true. 
until you
As a Monday or something, there was some big police deal. Somebody's shot and killed on 11th Street or 19th Street or something. Oh, is like that the right? Cops were doing something all afternoon. And um, then they finally busted the guy. <laughs> Rufus Ashley, you know him? I know him. <laughs> He's a killer. Whoa. Well, he went through your program? And no, no, no. He, he, I knew him from school days. Um, but his nephew was in my program. <laughs> ah, it's in the family. <laughs> okay, let me... Uh, we started the third hour off here with uh, Johnny Cash doing Port of Lonely Hearts. Then we heard Manflu with Tori. Manflu's from England. But the drummer guy's from uh, New York City, Willie. So he sent me that. And Tori means bird. So, uh, what, in British? In British. <laughs> yeah, I <know>. Sorry. <laughs> I think bird is like a woman slang word right yeah 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 <laughs> and then something from Tokyo a band called Nick Fit I think Nick Fit was a Minor Threat song Sonny Cruz had a song yeah but that's where they did it first in it's on my mix and a song called Mary and then something from Germany a, ba- a band called Sunder with Klubi Kova Trippy. I think it's just drum, bass, and singing. He probably mispronounced it. T s u n d e r, Sunder. It's not. A, it's not a German. It's not. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay then. That T s u sounds like Asia sound. <laughs> yeah. Alex Solis. This is my favorite jock. Jockeys um, are incredible, brave wait, little men. Wait, go on. That was in today's paper, right? Oh, much respect. He's my favorite jock. This is sad. Bob goes with uh, me and Raymond to a track sometimes, and I ain't a big gambler. Two dollar bet most most I ever spend, but I just like a beautiful horses. Jockeys are incredible. I won with Alex last week. I was in Hey, uh, we're doing the show here, Sid. I thought we were on a break. Not appropriate. <laughs> I won money on horse when race once ten years yeah. ago, and I'll keep it. Hey, son, first bet ever. Yeah, that's what I did. And I then, think I, maybe the name of the horse or something. I don't know what. What would you? I look at their asses. 
looked at the horse. Yeah. She, I, I think she basically takes a dump right before they go in the gate. Yeah. What? Yeah, of course. And, or going to the gate. If they'll get in the gate. If they're limping. Uh, I go and bribe the jockeys. Oh, that's not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> not proper. She's rolling with these things. <laughs> I'm basking in inappropriateness. <laughs> awesome. Usually yeah. it's my niche here. But... I have inappropriate What do you think of that? Somebody stepping on your turf? <gasps> oh. No, I don't have a voice today, so it's nice to have someone yeah, pick up the slack. Ego, um, <laughs> Did you call me your alter ego? <laughs> the edge that the show needs that's, yeah, that's what this show is yeah. Speaking of the edge, the when I met the edge... Oh, here we go. <laughs> no, why are you in town? Mick Jagger told me why never to name drop. That was Look, your she's line. She's been doing music for a long time. Do you know of her music? Angela? I was in a little a group time. called Led Zeppelin. <laughs> we did okay. <laughs> but she's done music a long time she's come back to live right but you're leaving again I'm just going to go and take care of my horse and uh, patch up the holes in my roof in Vermont and then I'm going to come right back she was uh, well, I'll talk about your music thing okay <laughs> oh Golden Palominos Yes what you, I, You're not supposed to name drop Didn't Mick Jagger tell Mike Watt that? No, I was talking about the <laughs> I'm, I'm not asking you to explain your music thing Well, it's a deep passion that I was seen to have been born with My mother used to encourage me to shut the heck up when I was in the crib She'd go, look, save it Save it till you can make some money with that voice Save it, save it, little girl and uh, I just kept saving it, and uh, I guess I'm still saving. No, you played in some bands and did some records. Yeah, that's what that's I'm... for sure. Google me, children. Google me. Um, ooh, <laughs> thank you. That's Pat's on the top of the head. Nice patronizing. You haven't said your name for people to Google. Oh, my name. <laughs> Mike Watt. They call me Michelina Watt. No, Sid Straw. Yours... Truly. I've been in a lot of bands. I play with a lot of great people. I'm going to go sing next week with Linda Ronstadt. And, I mean, that's kind of a mind-blowing thing. If you're me growing up in Southern California uh, with her voice on the radio and her beautiful album covers covering Larry Pegler's walls after school, I would go over to Larry's house and we would sit around and listen to the pop muses of the day. And... uh and I recently had a lucky, lucky opportunity to tell this to Linda. I said, you know, it's all your fault, Linda. It's all your fault. She said, what did I do? I said, well, you seem to be having so much fun when I was just, you know, trying to grow up and you were so beautiful and you played all these lovely songs and you seemed to sleep with all the cool guys. And wow, I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> So I said, my whole career and the lack of it, I, it's all on your shoulders, Linda. And and, uh, and then she invited me over to her house to sing. So I'm going to try to go do that next week. And that, for me, is almost as cool as being here on your show today, Watt. It's almost that cool. Wow, and I take this show for granted. I show up on the third hour. 
We thought that that was just to keep things cool and good looking, you know. Well, I do that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm at it. <laughs> other than being inconsiderate about other people's time. <laughs> what are you a dancer? <laughs> no. Well, it's just a guess. Well, you can do the rope, but oh, you know. Oh. George, not hurting me. <laughs> that was a good audio rope-a-dope <laughs> somehow without the actions it's kind of hard to explain the rope-a-dope move uh, I'll talk about music Mike I'll tell you this about music I am having more fun the more and more obsolete I become due to the ravages of time the more obsolete I become the more fun I am having and the better time I'm having every every single day do you think that uh that's because you stop being self-conscious? That's a great way to put it. And I think the lack... I'm never not self-conscious. Even when I'm sleeping and I'm alone, I'm embarrassed. Right. Um. And uh, I sometimes will wake up in the middle of the night and go, thank God I'm alone. I know the feeling. You do? Yeah. That's really surprising. Yes. But um, <laughs> I I think that it's more... You don't know, uh, No, I don't. But it seems that you might. <laughs> but um I <laughs> I I I don't know why it is. I think it's sort of like a fuck you to gravity also too cuz gravity's my buddy, but gravity's in charge. Every time I move to a new address, gravity seems to find out my new address mm-hmm. and meets me there. So, <laughs> I don't know. But I taking the music at once more seriously and less seriously doing both of those things simultaneously has improved my approach to my job I always had a good time I I know how to have fun that's almost all I know and uh, and that's a lot more than most people I mean, well I don't people know people dream to to have fun someday wow. while they're doing all this you know dutiful stuff well, that they would have fun. I don't know. We could all be having more fun no matter what our job or circumstances are. I mean, look at some people that are starving and in the dirt and the kids are smiling. It's so weird to me that I want so much and we're horrible, hideous, spoiled creatures that live in abundance and some of the kids that have nothing are laughing in the dirt. And I think about those kids and I want to be laughing in the dirt with them. Well, yeah, reduce your uh, knowledge and desires. And ambition, you'll be happy easy. Oh, really? Yeah. But see, I don't know because I don't have that much ambition. I don't. I can't reduce it. I don't even have that much. I have tons of desire and no wish to yeah. reduce it. Like dreams. You know, dreams, no. Down. No, I can't cut down on the dreaming. That's, that would mean I'd have to be getting sleep at some point in order to dream, perchance to dream. But uh, I dream of sleep often. Uh, what about daydreams? I'm a big daydreamer. I'm daydreaming that this is all happening right now. This isn't real, right? Pinch me. (laughs) Angela, pinch me, you German nutcase. Ow, ow, that was so hard. Angela, let go. (laughs) Oh, she's a punk. I'm going to be bruised something to remember you by. But I don't know, Mike, when you play, are you having fun these days? I mean, do you have fun? Or what would you call it when you play? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, in some ways it's a trip. It's, it's pretty scary, a lot. Uh, embarrassing. 
but um, sometimes I feel like I'm young, more young, and uh, with you guys, and that's all exists is you and your guys trying to get something together, and it kind of a Peter Pan trip <laughs> a little bit, and I get excited about that. Uh, but it's it's a hard thing for me. I don't know if I was natural with music, so it's uh, hard. I have to try very hard at it. So uh, it's kind of a, a, l- a little bit of work. You know what? That is a funny thing that you try hard because some people say Richard Thompson, for instance, when he's playing guitar, he just plays the impossible. He plays the impossible, but he stands there in such a laconic, simple way, and he's doing all these impossible things that people that don't know how to do that have no idea how impossible what he's actually doing is, and he makes it look easy. Whereas I like about you, one of the dozens of things I like about you, Watt, is that you don't really make it look easy. (laughs) You know, you make it look hard, and it is hard, and what you're doing is impossible, and there you are doing it. I love to see you do it every chance I get because the way you torture a bass is hilarious to me. I I swear you should get an endorsement from Gumby or something. You should have a Gumby pokey watt bass made out of rubber because it just looks, and you know what I'm talking about out there, the way the bass looks like it's actually shape-shifting and there are special expensive effects and it's just you doing whatever that is, that, that, that thing you do. And so you sure you're not, it's not drugs you're taking? No, I'm, I'm, I'm in no way high. <laughs> That's a poor, inappropriate piece joke. <laughs> I have them. <laughs> in a way, you set yourself up for that. Why? She did. Okay. And right. I could see you laying out the wet, welcome mat with that baby. Uh, <laughs> I get very self-conscious. What I have to do is kind of put my... Um, you know what a dervish is? Yes. Right, they get spinning. And but before get... they whirl, what do they do? No, they they sit and go to a great vet show. <laughs> no. you know, it's kind of a spiritual thing. It was a Sufi trip, and it's called an ecstatic state. Like you don't probably like uh, kids do with the merry-go-rounds, right? They want to get dizzy, and, or they spin around. Yeah. And that way, I'm not so uh, aware of what I'm doing, so I can, I can get the nerve up to do it. Yeah. So I don't. But I am trying to focus too. It's it's it's, it's that's why I say it's hard for me. But I've done it a long time, so some things are uh, automatic. They just kick in because I've done it a long time, which I'm kind of afraid of because I don't, I think music's too precious to be to be doing automatic. But there are. Things I still think of a kid on a skateboard, you know, and like you could fall down. I want to put that part in it, so but because that's the danger of playing a long time, you end up just doing the same thing over and over again. So. Isn't that true with life? You say you life, you, I mean, you should avoid want to be systematic about living, you need to interject some um, challenge in it. Well, that's what music. Yeah, yeah, for me. but it, yeah, right. And I mean, you could run around on the freeway. There's some challenge there. But there's a difference between um, playing by numbers or 
an involuntary sort of. Well, this is my know. my take on it. I'm not because every musician. I see a lot of shows. Sid was just talking about Mr. Thompson standing there, iconic mm-hmm. or laconic. Laconic and iconic. Okay. Lay iconic. Right. So, and uh, I, I, I'm too self-conscious. When, when mm-hmm. I do that, I feel really... I've done it before because I've gotten terrified and it, it gets into the performance. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible. I'm afraid. Insecure. Sometimes fear sounds really good, though. Depending on what you're trying to play when you're yeah, I think afraid. your body doesn't know it's all fear or excitement. It's still registering the same thing. The word you pick yeah, is a story well, in your fear. head. You can yeah. psych yourself out and play. You, you can. You but have to be careful. Fear, yeah. you, you also have to, you know, I don't do a lot of gigs by myself. I'm in an ensemble. So you have to join together with your guys. You know, you have to, right? Like with now, it's not one. But don't you think you're flat as you're not huge fear? stage fright. Oh, you yeah. do? Until last year, I had really big stage fright, and especially with... Singing. I can understand it. So you used to play with the... Uh, try to face the guys rather than the audience and stuff. Fear is the only true emotion. But if you're not afraid, then you're flat. I used to have to do these performances. Aren't you afraid you're wrong where... about that? <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to come up with that. <laughs> I'm afraid you're wrong, Pink. Uh, <laughs> you know the thing of performing where if you aren't fearful, then you're flat. I mean, no, everybody's got their own Which, angle. You know, it's like John Lennon puked before every Beatles gig because of, if he didn't, then he wasn't fired up. It's not necessarily <laughs> something to aspire to, but we all have our own things before right. we go on. And embracing that, and then once you get going, it seems like. You know what? And also, I'll tell you this about gigs you never know how they're going to work out. Everything might be set up for it to be a great gig, and it ends up. Sucking shit through soda straws. <laughs> and some gigs might be set up for be like, this is going to be the lamest fucking thing ever. And then you're surprised it turns out to be. There's a lot of, for me, you know, I, I can't tell how they're going to go. I just hope for the best. I do think about the gig goer because they've been working all week. They put their money up. You, you can't be just strutting on their shit, taking them for granted. So I want to work good for them. I want to work good for the people I'm sharing the stage with. You owe them. If they're going to come up there and potentially, you know, get lathered with your fucking lameness. You know, they're responsible (laughs) entertainer. (laughs) (laughs) Lathered with lameness. My cousin had last week. She's never heard any of the music. And the club had... See, like that gig, that gig, we were were talking about Dana Point last week. There were challenges. The most south part of Orange County, a toy PA. Yeah. Uh, really, I thought it was going to be, it was a setup for a lame gig. It turned out to be okay. I was very glad I did it. That's why I don't try to second guess myself so much. Music, uh, performing it for people ain't all, all about you in a lot of ways. People you play with, people have come. And it turned out to be, yeah, it was kind of a mind blow. You could tell they were, their scene was kind of, People were Square John. it, and um, they weren't aware of any sound things that are on a subliminal level to most people. It's like your gig at the Wiltern with the Stooges. I had, would have no idea without reading your diary about what's going through your head when. Well, yeah, on the really stage. Yeah, but on the yeah. stage that can be a a thing. But you're not supposed to think of that because you're getting in for free. <laughs> Sometimes it can be an impediment about playing with each other well. But that's where you have to reach deep down and like overcome those. Because people paid money 
and they should get the good sound. They should get the best performance out of you. So you can't get too, this is just my opinion, get too precious about it. Then again, everybody, every single person go to a show for their own personal reason. Yeah, of course. Um, they might know... I don't pretend to know what those are, but I just mm -hmm. want to still... But I, mean, I put myself in their place, you know? Well, you know like that... I, I've been a gig-goer a lot, so I'm thinking of them like that. Hmm. And I would want to have my mind blown. And if you do the best you can for what you do, I think that's pretty fair. You know? Well, they always know that you're trying. That first gig in Pasadena where you guys haven't played in seven months and you know we're oh, joking yeah. about clam bacon all this yeah. and these two guys about 30 were just sounded like uh, you know Dean Moriarty um, you know going Sal on about Paradise. and Sal Paradise <laughs> going on about how that's the best bass playing I've ever heard in my life so <laughs> it could have been a bad night maybe you might have thought but to them they had, they were inspired they were well I, I said the, the about mm -hmm. letting go about I don't try to control the whole thing but I, I do try to get together Sid asked me yeah. so I'm just trying to respond I like the way your answers wander about the neighborhood <laughs> the one you went to at the Redwood I thought we did okay that was nice I needed that I need. I found it <clears throat> very galvanizing to stand about you were there eight too. feet from oh, you oh well, shoot when I'm here I'm, I just met Grant Hart who I admired his music yeah Grant Hart was it and I'm looking back to see what his reaction is who's he and it just so happened he's looking right at me like an old buddy like yeah dude this is happening <laughs> every time I look back he's like you know right in sync is, it was it was happening and, um, and you know what I was feeling I'm really worried about those kind of gigs where I do big spiels before I had to do the interview for the Raymond documentary because I think I, I have a lot of times bad gigs after those because it's talk about yourself all getting self-important and yeah it's really very tough to do a good gig after that so a lot about this work is uh, kind of out of I don't know if it's a culture thing or whatever, but the musicians are thought of such great, I don't even know musicians, you know, whatever, entertainers, are like better than other people and shit. And it's bullshit. It's just another job. Oh, no, you're much better than Well, that's the people. way you bring it down to earth in a way that that's what impresses people. Um, you know, Raymond was telling me, God, Mike has people coming at him all the time. Because he does his work in public, you know, I do mine a lot in the studio, and he's all marveling at how, you know, how wonderfully um, you not only handle it, but show the humility that inspires people to want to not just check your music out, but maybe you don't have to yell stack your own band. Trust me, they want to do that after your shows. It's, it's, it's amazing to see. I... I think uh, that's a debt to the punk scene. They let, you know, me and Dee Boone play the gigs, Georgie. So, you know, I try to... It's your signature. You, you can't stop. No, but it kind of, I didn't I'd make it up. It came from uh, yeah. those days. They let us play. We didn't have to just be in the bedroom doing the creeds. Musicians, some people make it easy to play technical stuff, I think, in your whole world, if I may. Um, is that you make it easy, even though it's really hard work to keep touring and cranking out all this music the way you do. It's like one after another, you're in collaboration with different projects. It seems easy, but that's a lot of hard work that people might not know how much t 
time it takes and history of you doing it to make those things go smoothly, just to show up on time and you know make things happen. Um, I think that's kind of your attribute, I think. Oh, well. <laughs> I think that was a compliment, Watt. Oh, that no, was a compliment. <laughs> that no was lovely. from me. <laughs> you know, Pete, that's interesting. Um, Watt was telling me about playing South by Southwest, I don't know what was that, a year or two ago, and seeing a show with Bob Molden. So I checked out Bob's site the next day, and he put something in there. It was great running into Mike Watt, the hardest working man in the music business. That's quite a compliment from a guy that knows him from back in SST days. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it yeah. is, um, like, uh, all music, people who do it for a long time, it <laughs> is hard work, but everybody have their own little unique niches of something put together to make them unique. And, you know, Mike definitely had a reputation to just be out there, be accessible, and being true, and being just always give it all. And that will be the end of complimenting our... <laughs> I think there's more complimenting you. No, it's going to leak out. Shit, you, <laughs> give, yeah. You're leaking. <laughs> no, no, You're sorry. You're leaking. I heard everything. I'm going back to that. <laughs> what would Oscar Wilde say? What about the most sincere form of flattery, which, of course, there is no such thing. You know the story. That's true. I'm just astonished by all this sweetness coming out of you. I thought you were some tough babe, you I'm know. I'm sorry, I'm going to be another beard. Don't change. She me. does MMA. <laughs> she does what? MMA. MMA. Oh, MMA. I thought that was a new designer drug. I don't know what I thought it was. It's like... I'm sorry. I haven't tried that yet. Is there any around? I'm just kidding. <laughs> boxing mixed with uh, ah, boxing mixed karate with with karate. What does the Anything MMA goes. stand for? What does it stand for? Mixed martial arts. Oh, mixed martial arts. It's not Mario Machado arts. It's mixed martial arts. <laughs> Angela's like, you people, I have no clue. I lost the thread minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also, you know, double his bodyguard when I go on tour with him. How fun. He's going to go on the first five gigs. You're going on a couch surfing thing to New Orleans, right? Uh, Jazz Fest? Right, Jazz Fest. Are you playing at Jazz Fest? No, I'm on tour, but she wants a lift on the way. Yeah. Nice. She's that. a photographer. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> Revealing. That's appropriate. She's a dancing photographer. No, she ain't dancing. <laughs> so what does our guest here think about this? Nor do I swim. <laughs> Any commentary? What do you think of all this? Of all this, all this, this. <laughs> That's a loaded question. To be or not to be? <laughs> do you think about life? <laughs> like the combination of uh, music and martial arts, uh, <laughs> no, the previous conversation made me think about how many people we've lost, you know, the lineup changes with yeah. people who underestimated how much work music is. It was like, yeah. oh, it's great to play in a band and then oh, you have right. to carry gear, be on time, go for sound, take wait three hours. Yeah, yeah. Summers, and we've lost a, a lot of people. So That's why I was saying about this, uh, the concept that people's perception of people in this work, it's, it's screwed go, up. Yeah, you go up See, because what I do, yeah. these things you're talk, they were talking about, you know, uh, getting in situations, recording and making records, playing gigs, playing, learning from other people doing music. That's what you do. 
You have to negotiate. Uh, but I've had, characters. I've had people. Yeah, why are you carrying your own gear? I mean, kids. Yeah. Because they think this is all just some way to service lifestyle and be like royalty. And to me, it's just normal. It's not really a great uh, above and beyonder. Well, they don't see that if you hire someone to carry your stuff for you, that's an extra motel room you have to pay for every night. And yeah, they don't see the, the practicality that we hide. Me, the reward isn't in getting to do the expression. The reward isn't having people waiting on you. And uh, That's what I like. Your motivation kind of is very I, I good. I like the idea of making music to express yourself. It's interesting. And it looks it makes exciting, you know, on stage you have this, the, you know, you feel the bass and you've got all this that you can't really have anywhere else this kind of song. Yeah, there is. And just being with you guys and you're trying to build this song and mm. perform it. You're trying to bring it to the people. There's something about that. And you don't know what That's happens. not about like, oh, this person knows me or uh, I, I caught at this expensive hotel and you know, all these things. <laughs> what the fuck's this have to do with music? So many people happened. bought my record. So many people. All these things. You don't, you know. The only thing that's changed with Mike is he has more people making the demands on him, maybe, but his approach, I don't see any different than what I saw in 1983. It's the same. It's a good business model. Bob Mould said that um, <laughs> the voting precinct um, for the presidential election is yeah. Obama basically used that sort of SST, very efficient way of, you know, street organizing. Um, Grassroots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, our scene was small. You had to do that. Yeah. You know, if you could holler, attend me, flatterer. You know, <laughs> tack the flyers up. <laughs> and there wasn't. People hated punk. About nine out of ten. So, yeah. so I remember though. You, you know, the scene up in Hollywood. I've said this before, but I think only the Dills had a van. I mean, these guys weren't even thinking of touring. And I don't know what they were thinking. So, but everybody's. You know, music is. Like John Coltrane said, it's a big reservoir. A lot of people come to it. They come from different places. They come to it with different reasons. I'm just, my opinion is, I, everybody's got something to teach me. Why not check it out? I'm just out to make a buck. <laughs> I, I consider it, it's my get rich slowly scheme. <laughs> I'm not in a big rush to make more than $10. Yeah. I have a plan to make a lot of money after I died. <laughs> 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 That's the other thing and about it Jordan too. Right yeah. is good. You know Herman Green, seeing him, the way he just went along with the Econo, and I could see you being, you know, fifty years. Yeah. You know, it's changed. Yeah. I mean, the guy, amazing. To him, it's the music, and it's more important that nobody polishes his horn and right, makes right. him change something like that than the money or anything else. Mike, maybe you're sort of like the 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 uh, the uh, Bill Veck of music you're sort of <laughs> you have a vecitudinal well, quality of entrepreneurial skill and bringing the people together for what I don't want to get sanctimonious but what I think is more generous reasons than we often find in the professional musical realm these days like I, I what you said to cycle back to something you said that was significant I think I, you tossed it off but it was significant to me and that is that uh, when you said, um, oh, now I just got muddled in my own well, sticky brain sack. Well, that was a master of promotion, but 
One thing Watts doing now that makes... He had, brings a community together, yeah. a musical community, which is my well, I was main from a emphasis. Movement. I mean, the whole reason I'm in music was because... But what you got going now, I read some marketing piece on how you do things, and I don't have any idea who it was about, but they've been playing these shows recently, and I love it the way they finish. And they got things zipped up and gone, and the people really want more. And so they're, that's a way of building a groundswell of curiosity about this new record and all. I well, you I always leave them wanting more. That, but he's been, it's been more... It's 53 miles away, man. It's time to get back to Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are zipping it up fast for every time. Yeah, it is. I do, I do. No encore. Dude, I only stay up late when I play. Yeah. I right. wake up at 4 in the morning. Middle, this is a good thing of middle age. You look, have to look forward <laughs> It's hard to sleep. Wait, I'm waking up at four in the morning. Are you? Like, Old lady? Yeah. You go to bed at four. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was when I was way young. Or more young. I like to be awake all the time when possible. I hate to you miss anything. You were talking anything. about how you like sleep yeah. and so you can dream. Really <laughs> die. You don't think we're really listening to you. When we die, we'll sleep. Speaking of the duality of man's nature... Um, <laughs> what Whitman say it? Contradict myself, so I contradict myself. Contain multitudes? You know what's funny is his neighbors didn't like him. It's on the Brooklyn Bridge. His neighbors didn't even like him. So I, I, with all of his peaceful certitude, I wonder what was going on. I wonder who he didn't invite to his little parties. Which well, well, I'm speaking. Yeah, the neighbors were not so pleased with him. Lived with his brother. And he lived uh, right by the train tracks. I went to the house last summer. You did. Uh, he liked the train. You know that. What's going to happen to my? You guys are saying nice things now, but when I die, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want us to say what we're going to no, practice this? to say? Oh, motherfucker had to live next to that asshole. Yeah, I have released the unseen photos of Mike. Yeah. This is why uh, I'm earnest about creating works. <laughs> Let them speak for themselves and let the people rumors. You know, Mr. Whitman, they were talking about him on the radio yesterday. They said his neighbors didn't Michael like him much. Blah, blah. <laughs> no, Sid Straw said that, and we're on the record with that. But uh, I was on Bookworm, the government radio, and I learned something interesting. Uh, Vincent Van Gogh, Starry Night, yep. he wrote to his brother. He said he was inspired by Song of Myself. Ah. Oh. So maybe you don't have to be a neighbor. Maybe art inspires art. I think it does. And humans might have personality quirks, quirks and stuff that we can uh, transcend that stuff. I can't see what Orson Welles said. I have an unfortunate personality. Little <laughs> <laughs> touch of evil. No, he said that off camera. Yeah. Well, in that case, I feel very com- <laughs> comforted. Yeah, which is uh, a good example. Um, Charlton Heston. Yeah. Great job he did that. It's a Latin cop. Yeah. And maybe personality wise, right? So, so some people in, in their performing thing, it's weird about the art world, but I guess we kind of need it. It's kind of a fabric to tolerate. Alvin Jones played a gig two weeks before he died at 75, I think. Alvin Jones? I thought he died in 90s. His age. Oh. I remember you sending me that. Wow, that's amazing. So, uh, Angela, how long do you see yourself doing music? 
don't know, I can't imagine not doing it because I've always done it. It's always. Like, like yeah, Elvin yeah. Jones. <laughs> See it? I, I got no plan to make other plans. <laughs> <laughs> like Rimbaud wrote poetry for two years. At 19, he stopped. He never wrote another poem. That's... It's beautiful stuff, but he The stopped. dean of American business, in terms of being a Zen sort of... Uh, Peter Drucker was still lecturing at Claremont Colleges at 94 years old. Yeah. And still very vital and lively and out there. So, so, so would both of you say music is your calling? I would. Hmm. Angela only nodded. I'm not, I think she has ambivalence. Yeah, I think some people would say uh, music and eating, eating and cooking. But <laughs> she cooks and eats. They, they yeah. cook but some of the people in shit. the now band, they, they just quit the band or they quit music? Mm. Mm. Some of the people that have been in now. I am so I'm jealous not, of people who actually make decisions like that. Quit. Yeah, I guess the... The band, but they can do some do. They still do music. Some do but it. Sometimes just didn't quit all of music. Sometimes that happens. That XTC guy, the bass player, he decided to never even listen to music mm-hmm. again. Rashid Ali's son, Amin, quit bass. That's what Calvin Weston told me. That guy was a motherfucker of bass player. Great. How can you, like a how freight can you train. do that? Just do something. Just, but the, you know, humans There's are some different. baseball players that do that too, you know, the, the greatest pitchers and. Well, maybe, you know, I can only guess it's because they feel like their highest point of success is come and gone. If they keep doing it, they feel like they only going soil to it. fail and, and soil that. Yeah, the legacy. <clears throat> legacy, yeah. I'm just guessing. And what if we have no legacy to soil? <laughs> she said rather <laughs> so forlornly. Refused to record a new song. Well, no, like, everybody's got their own way. I think that's one, one Bob Spiel. In that know. in that case, I feel right. like Fisher has got the best of them. You know, like a lot of people who quit anything. Quit There's a John Cale song, "Fear Is a Man." Fear Is a Man's Best Friend. I love that. <laughs> or was enemy. Good I mean, baseline on that. Could be either way. So, yeah. But you know, it's like sometimes with the music and art, it's like a certain point it became like you became public property. You know, it's a uh, you sharing your your soul with with everybody else, and I, I guess you know that's a lot, a lot of responsibility to you know like carry. Well, why don't you share that lighter so you light? <laughs> <laughs> share the responsibility of the lighter. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, anyway, well, it's been very interesting. <laughs> but we're at the end of the show. No, you're kidding. We're out of time. Yeah, well, this is what happens when you show up. Like but I was going to start complimenting you now, Mike, and say really Angela, good, nice things. Thank you very much for coming aboard. <laughs> I hope you're a U.S. first a U.S. experience. We like Angela. We like Angela. Can we all come stay with you in Germany? Well, I don't she know. Lives in London. London. Listening. Can we stay with you in London then? Sid, thank you very much for what, coming aboard. What great to see you. And Pete, thank you for coming. Bob, thanks, thanks for hauling Sid down. Brother Matt, of course, for your always essential aiding and abetting. It's been the April 4th, 2009 Watt from Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>